Vinny. Hi, Nancy. Welcome to episode 33 of the Front Porch Book Club. The Front Porch Book Club is a podcast that meets twice a month. We like to dig deep into the relationship between characters and the worlds they live in. Grab your book and iced tea and join us on the Front Porch. Our book for July is Van Jones' Beyond the Messy Truth. Linda, you're the one who wanted to include this book in our book club. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really do like Van Jones. (laughs) I got to know him because he was a commentator on CNN. So they always have opposing viewpoints to say two different aspects of a story. Mm -hmm. What's the left? What's the right saying about a thing? And he would banter back and forth. But I also really remember that he was really active in the prison reform and uh, the criminal justice bill and how he reached across the aisle and worked with people like Newt Gingrich and other people to try to put together a package that would be acceptable. Mm -hmm. And the more you dig into these deep issues and the issues that divide the country, the more you're able to see that it's not just black and white. It's very complicated and it's very messy. (laughs) So I had never heard of Van Jones, but I feel like I should have. He's a three-time New York Times bestselling author. He currently hosts two shows on CNN, The Van Jones Show and The Redemption Project. He's the host of CNN's Incarceration Incorporated podcast series, In 2013 and 14, he was co-host of CNN Crossfire, along with Newt Gingrich. He later hosted a special event series on CNN called The Messy Truth, from which he takes the title of this book. Over the past 25 years, he's co-founded a series of successful social enterprises to fight for criminal justice reform. He's won numerous awards, including the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leader designation, Rolling Stone's 12 Leaders Who Get Things Done, Times 100 Most Influential People in the World, the NAACP Image Award, and a Webby Special Achievement Award. He was born in Jackson, Tennessee, and currently lives in New York City and Los Angeles, and is the proud father of two sons. Beyond the Messy Truth was published in 2017, and in this book, as you mentioned, he diagnoses how America has splintered as a country, particularly along political lines. And he prescribes how we can find our moral center, regardless of political affiliation. And in fact, pretty early in the book, he criticizes the political elites in both parties and really says that they are a huge part of the problem. He urges Americans to come together to find solutions to our most pressing challenges. So he says, and I'm quoting, our national leaders too often model a way of being that I call all projection, no reflection. It's all accusation, no confession. Each blames the other side for every problem and rarely looks within to find their own opportunities for growth. I sometimes feel like the child of divorcing parents, watching two otherwise decent adults talking past each other and screaming insults with the whole family's future on the line. So I thought that very succinctly describes his condemnation of political elites and how they have created this 
environment of acrimony in the country. Lenny, I was wondering, do you agree with Van that political elites are a large part of our problem currently? Well, I kind of consider him a political elite. So okay. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. I mean, didn't he work for the Obama administration? Briefly, yes. <laughs> it is almost as if here's the line in the sand, and we're going to stand back from the line, and we're going to polarize as much as possible. But I often said this, that they're looking for sound bites. They're looking for the microphone. They're looking to say what they want to say about particular matters. And I don't really care how smart you are, but no politician is so great on economics, social policy, history, international relations, social work, the plight of underprivileged people. You can't be all things to all people, nor can you have the knowledge base that is needed to handle all of these very complex issues. Immigration, that's a big one. Drugs, how are you going to be knowledgeable on these complex issues when what you do is you sit up in Washington, so they are only allowed to go so deep because their knowledge base is only so deep, so you never really get into complex issues. And you never really find the middle ground. You're just listening to one person throw things at the other person. And then instead of being able to talk about it, then you're throwing mud at each other. And people are really tired of the mudslinging. I think that there is, to answer your question, a contentious environment in politics. And I do agree with him that we do need to find the common ground in a lot of things. We don't have to be so divisive. I think the political elites are part of the problem, but I don't think that they are solely the problem. I think he really wants to lay all of this at the feet of the political parties. And I would say that there are other things that are happening that contribute to the divisiveness that we're experiencing in our country. I would say that the 24-7 news cycle is certainly part of the problem and the way that telecommunications policy in the country has changed that allow single viewpoint broadcasting that did not used to be the case. I think that money in politics has been a big problem with the establishment of PACs where a lot of money can flow to candidates and political parties. And I've looked at research that suggests pretty clearly that that kind of money in politics has really led to forcing both parties more to the fringe rather than the center. And so I think that's really also damaged the political discourse in our country. All of those things have created an environment right now where it's very difficult to talk with people at any length, who have different points of view. It gets very emotional very fast. Yeah, it sure does. And I agree with everything you said from news and media and quick little snippets here and there people can put online and totally out of context. And it just can be 
all-consuming, but really how deep do any of us really understand any of these issues? Yeah. You might have your opinion, but that doesn't mean that exactly. any yeah. kind of basis or understanding. In fact, you might even change your opinion about some things if you had yeah. more knowledge about it. You know, I think of um, the immigration, perhaps instead of a bunch of politicians sitting around talking about it, you should find some social workers Mm -hmm. and you should find people who are economics in Mexico and people that know about what's happening in Mexico, come up with a plan and come up with a plan to address the children and their families and those kind of things. But what happens with the politics is just, we'll close the border or just do this or send them back. We want a quick and easy answer to this rather than the deep dive to figure out, well, why are these people coming? Who are these people? What's going on in their countries? Is it really dangerous? What is really going on there? And and what kind of a country are we? And what should our response be to what's happening in other countries? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's involvement. That's another story. But he's graveling here. I see Van as kind of like, look, here's where I was four years ago. And I'm saying the Democratic side, I'm saying the liberal side on TV as a part of the Obama administration. Here's where I'm at. Oh, wait a minute. There's other people over there that have difference of opinion. Maybe I need to understand the right better. And maybe there is value over there because half of the country believes this stuff. And so maybe I need to find out what's going over there and uh, educate myself. So kudos to him. I think that that is a good role model for a lot of people to follow instead of like going and talking people, have some dinners with them and say, really, tell me about this. What's your history with this? You know, where are you at with that? And, and stop talking for mm-hmm. once and listen. Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) Yeah, I think that Van does a great job talking about how individuals' motivations are really pretty clear cut. You know, they are trying to defend their way of life. They are trying to make our country strong. They are wanting a better life for their children. They are trying to ensure that our society is one that values hard work and all of those things. And he really is looking for areas that everyone can agree on. Specifically, he says he's searching for bottom-up bipartisanship, the kind of allegiances that ordinary people discover when they reach out to solve the deadly serious problems that land on their doorsteps. And that's a quote from him. He says there are four areas that both parties can agree on and must address, and that really forms in many ways the heart of the book. First, criminal justice reform. Second, the addiction crisis. Third, 21st century jobs that are high tech. And fourth, 21st century jobs that are clean tech. What do you think about those four areas that he says the parties can agree on? Or do you agree that the parties can agree on them? And do you agree that those are important issues in our country? Well, he picks those four areas, but those are his areas where he has spent a lot of time. Yes. I appreciate his work in these areas. While I say that no one is an expert in all those areas, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert in the criminal justice system. I can look at the package that Van and all these other people put together and go, huh, I wonder if this is good. 
I don't know. You're making a case for it. Interesting area, bringing the high tech stuff to underserved people. That was interesting. How impactful, I don't know. And, you know, the whole addiction crisis in America, that's a tough subject. It's very complex. Most of these subjects are so big, like we could spend weeks just on one of them, Nancy, because they're so complex. And he surfaces them in the book. He then takes bulleted areas and says, like under criminal justice, these are the things that we need to do in this area for addiction. These are the things that we need to do in this area. Right. And I think that's a strong part of the book because it takes kind of some complicated issues and chips away at them. What do you think? Yeah, I thought those four areas were good. I thought he did a nice job of talking about why they're important and proposing solutions that will address them as problems and why people on the right and the left would both be interested in those solutions. And I I think your observation that these are four areas that he has personally been involved in. And so perhaps naturally, those are four that he is highlighting as areas of compromise. But I felt that he missed the boat, not including health care. I do feel that that is an area that, although we have not yet seen good bipartisan work in this area, I think that it is an area that is ripe for bipartisan policy. I think there are areas that both sides can agree on, that we want to be a healthy country, that we don't want people at the current rates that they are going into bankruptcy in order to pay for health care. There are a lot of great economic rationales for why our health care system should be improved. So that is something that as a country, I feel is a very important problem that we have not addressed. And I would have loved to have seen that on his list. And he also does talk about immigration and the lack of a coherent immigration policy as one of the big problems that has brought us to this polarization But that is not one that he believes that parties can agree on and must address. And maybe I'm optimistic enough that I feel like that is an area that there could be some commonality. I agree. I mean, I think there's hope here, right? I I think that's the bottom line. I think that if people get out of their camps and they reach across the aisle and, and not just the politicians, really, this country is run by us Americans. Yeah. The politicians are fighting for what the people they think back home want them to do because they want to be voted again. Mm -hmm. I do believe that there can be those common areas. I do believe we can reach across the aisle more. I do believe that like in immigration, gun control, whatever issues on the table, that instead of an all or nothing approach to things, there can be more common ground. Yeah. I guess we should talk about Van for the people that don't know him, but he is an African-American person and the racial injustice is something that he's experienced himself. And obviously we see today talks about his, his experience as a law student at Yale where the university had programs for students who were using illegal drugs, but within blocks of the campus, there were people of color who were being convicted of drug crimes for using the same kind of drugs as the Yale students, but their consequences were very different. Yeah. 
So what struck you most about this, Nance? I thought that was a very strong illustration that people are treated differently in our justice system, depending on who they are, where they come from. Unfortunately, we know money still talks in the justice system because we still have the bail system where you can bail out of prison if you have enough money to pay for the bail. And I thought a lot of what he said about the criminal justice reform was great. And I'm certainly familiar with many statistics about the problems in U.S. incarceration, But every time I see them, it still makes me stop and gulp a little bit. The U.S. is the largest incarcerator in the world. We have 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prisoners. Our system costs us $80 billion annually to operate. That's billion with a B. And more than a quarter of all adults in the U.S. have a criminal record. And part of this of course, has to do with racial and class differences in the way that people become involved in the criminal justice system and then work through the the system as well. How about you? What, what are your thoughts about the racial injustice that he experiences and he talks about and also the class differences? There is a lot of disparity. I think everyone can agree. Whites are treated differently. Maybe not everybody who's listening agrees with that, but I do believe that that's the case. And why do we have a system where people who have more money get out of prison? Yeah. That's something, right? Where low-income people have to sit in prison. Lenny, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, again, I'm such a person who is interested in statistics, four out of 10 adults in jail have not yet been convicted of a crime. And so these are people who are awaiting trial, who are sitting in jail, four out of 10. It's extremely sad. But the other part of it is what a waste of resources. Those people should be out working, taking care of their children. Just because you don't have the money for bail doesn't mean you should should be sitting in prison. And talk about destructive to family life. Suddenly you're losing your job. Suddenly your family can't afford rent anymore. I mean, it just has all kinds of horrific consequences um, just because people don't have the money for bail in those cases where bail is a possibility, obviously. Right. But he did give some great examples of reform being championed by Republicans and Democrats, and also bipartisan efforts. And as you were saying, I think that's where some of the hope is. Talked about some great things Rick Perry, for instance, did in Texas for criminal justice reform and some other Republicans. He he talks about what some Democrats are doing. So I think focusing less on what party someone is a member of and more about what are they doing? Are they addressing the problems that we face as a country is a prescription for landing on solutions that make sense rather than just being on on one side or another of these divorced parents who are just screaming at each other. And I would say that that is so apt because it just does feel like the parties do nothing but scream at each other and talk about how the other is completely wrong about everything. And that's just not helpful. It's not helpful and it is divisive. And kudos for Van for getting out there and trying to find the middle ground. But really what I liked about the book is the hope aspect of it, Mm -hmm. that we can find common grounds. That's a choice. We can participate in that or not. We can keep the TV on or not. 
we can be kind to people that we meet and want to talk to us about these things or not. But I think he is a good leader in saying, hey, we can do better as a country. There are people who love this country on both sides of the aisle. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're both patriotic and we can find our common ground. And we can learn to disagree and find solutions to those disagreements. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So it's a good book. I look forward to talking to you about it in a couple more weeks. That's great. If our listeners want to go to our website, we're at frontporchbookclub.com. Our episodes come out twice a month, the first and third Wednesdays of each month. Great. See you next time, Lenny. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.